Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. The investigation into Hunter Biden's business dealings. An IRS whistleblower is expected to come out alleging political interference. We hear from a former IRS agent to learn how the agency handles these things. Former President Trump is enjoying support from Florida Republicans. Meanwhile, the House GOP is thwarted in an attempt to question a former prosecutor in the Trump indictment probe. Keeping women's sports limited to women. That's the goal of a bill now passed by the House. We'll hear the stories of two athletes who are affected by the current policies. President Biden expected to address House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's plan for the debt ceiling. The White House has been refusing to negotiate on the proposal. Russia claims to have destroyed the Ukrainian Central Command unit near Bakhmut. And a Russian military contractor says Ukraine was unprepared for the battle. We start with another update on the weekend shooting in Dadeville, Alabama that left four dead and 32 injured. Authorities have announced a fifth arrest. 19-year-old Willie George Brown was charged with four counts of reckless murder today. Earlier in the day, authorities also arrested 20-year-old Johnny Latron Brown. They joined three others who are facing the same charges. The suspects are accused of being the gunman who opened fire at a Sweet 16 birthday party Saturday night. Meanwhile, a search is underway for a 24-year-old man who allegedly shot two adults and a child in North Carolina earlier in the week. The man allegedly shot a six-year-old girl and her parents after their basketball rolled into his yard and the family went to retrieve it. That's according to local media reports. The incident follows other shootings in Missouri, New York and Texas that happened after similar mistakes. And an IRS whistleblower reportedly wants to testify before Congress. He's alleged, alleging political interference in the investigation into Hunter Biden's business dealings. NTD's Arian Pazdar spoke with a former IRS agent to learn more about the agency's internal workings. The attorney for an IRS special agent sent a letter to Congress seeking whistleblower protection. He wants to share information about alleged political interference in the Hunter Biden investigation. According to the letter to Congress, the agent has details that show politics improperly infecting decisions and protocols that would normally be followed. Federal prosecutors have been investigating Hunter for years. They considered bringing charges against him for tax crimes and more. During investigations in 2020, Hunter Biden said he was confident that a professional and objective review of these matters will demonstrate that I handled my affairs legally and appropriately. Representative James Comer responded to the new whistleblower reports, saying, We know Hunter Biden engaged in deceptive business schemes. The Oversight Committee will hold accountable anyone in the administration who may be covering up this criminal activity. To learn more, I spoke with former IRS agent Mike Sullivan. So it's not clear what the whistleblower might say, but it looks like he might allege the federal government of telling the IRS who to investigate and who not to investigate, Hunter Biden in this case. Mike, is this something the federal government does? Yeah, I think they've, they've done this from the beginning of ages. I think right now with having the media and the exposure and all the social platforms, the things that were hidden before 
are now really coming out to light. Senator Ted Cruz now wants to see suspicious activity reports, or SARS, writing the U.S. Department of Treasury needs to release every suspicious activity report related to the Biden family. Now Republicans want to see those SARS records. What could those records tell us? What could we learn from them? We can learn all the dirt is what we can learn and probably the truth. But you got to remember, records show up and records disappear. And by now, when you know there's investigations going on, you can clear servers, you can clear anything you want and only turn over the documents you want. The House Ways and Means Committee is expected to meet with the whistleblower soon. Arian Pastar, NTD News. House Republicans weren't able to question former prosecutor Mark Pomerantz today in their probe of Manhattan's investigation into Trump. Meanwhile, the former president celebrates congressional endorsements from Florida. NTD's Arlene Richards has more details. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg gets another bite at the apple. A court on Thursday granted Bragg's appeal to stop testimony of a former prosecutor. The appellate court's order temporarily blocks House Republicans from questioning Mark Pomerantz. Pomerantz worked on the DA's investigation into former President Trump for about a year before resigning in 2022. Shortly after Bragg indicted Trump, the House Judiciary Committee launched an investigation into the DA's probe. The committee says the subpoena is part of that authorized investigation. Bragg contends that the investigation is an attempt to undermine the rule of law and New York's police power. A Trump-appointed federal judge approved the subpoena on Wednesday, saying it had a valid legislative purpose. But the appeals court overturned that. It's expected to hear arguments in the case next week. Over in Florida, Trump is touting support from Florida lawmakers in Congress. In a Truth Social post, he said a great group of supportive Florida congressmen and congresswomen, all who have endorsed me, will be coming to Mar-a-Lago tonight. More than 50 congressional Republicans have endorsed Trump, including nine from Florida. In a tweet on Thursday morning, Representative Michael Waltz said, We need bold and experienced leadership back in the White House. That's why I'm proud to endorse Donald J. Trump for president. Florida Representative Byron Donalds endorsed Trump in early April. Donalds had been considered an ally of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who is expected to announce his candidacy soon. But Donald supports Trump because. So if you ask me a decision between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, what I'm looking for is somebody who can come in day one and get America back on track. Donald Trump has done it once. He can do it again. DeSantis visited Washington, D.C. on Tuesday in an effort to get congressional support. But recent Trump endorsements came days after. Time magazine reports that two Florida congressmen, Representatives Gus Bilirakis and Carlos Jimenez, are expected to endorse Trump soon. Arlene Richards, NTD News. And the Republican-led House today barely passes a women's sports bill. It prohibits people born as men from competing in female sports. NTD's Melina Weiskopf had the chance to speak with some lawmakers supporting this bill. Here's what she learned. Many of the Congress members that we heard from say that their goal for supporting this bill is to ensure that women have equal opportunity in sports. But for some members, they say the reasons behind their support for this bill reaches further, saying that for them, it's more about upholding core values. Here's how Congresswoman Mary Miller puts it. You know, freedom of speech and freedom of religion, but that includes freedom of conscience, and they're going after the freedom of conscience. 
I want our country not just to survive, but to flourish. And the two foundations are faith and family. Now, the majority of the Republicans that we heard from say they're not intending to marginalize the transgender community, pointing to more practical issues they say they're concerned with, such as making sure that women have the opportunity to get sports-related scholarships or, for example, how female athletes may feel uncomfortable in the locker room. And expose their own bodies to these biological males. They cannot change a person's DNA. And this is a similar message that we heard from House Speaker Kevin McCarthy when he was pressed about how the transgender community may be impacted by this. On the flip side, Democrat leader Hakeem Jeffries says he believes that the issues like this should be left up to the professionals. The relevant organizations involved in elite sports competition to do what they do. All Democrats opposed this bill, and the White House says that President Biden will veto it, calling it discriminatory. We did get a chance to hear from a few female athletes who have been directly impacted by this. Here's what they told me. I had to compete against them throughout all four years of high school. I raced against them over a dozen times. I was never close, but then once I lost out on the opportunity to qualify for the New England Regional Meet, that was my final straw, and I said, I need to stand up and not only fight for my own fairness, but for everybody else, because at that time, there was no real voice out there. So the third time it happened to me, I decided I'd had enough, and it had actually financially impacted me. So I, I decided to speak up. I didn't think anyone would listen. I made a social media post. Within like five minutes, it went viral on the internet. And all of this comes as the Biden administration is actively trying to go in the opposite direction. The administration recently proposed a rule change that would prohibit schools across the nation from banning transgender athletes. Now, that rule change is right now in the beginning steps. Assuming it does survive and is enacted, it will take months, if not years, for students and schools to feel its impact. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskup, NTD News. And the White House and lawmakers on Capitol Hill are reacting to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's proposal on the debt ceiling. What do the two parties have to say about the plan? President Biden is set to address House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's plan on the debt ceiling this Friday. He'll also highlight House Speaker McCarthy's extreme MAGA agenda would be a disaster for American families, killing all the manufacturing jobs created thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act, letting China outcompete us by us building the future of clean energy and making it easier for big corporations to pollute the air that we breathe. McCarthy introduced his proposal in the House on Wednesday. It would raise the debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion, but it's tied to limiting federal spending. The bill would also rescind parts of what's known as the Inflation Reduction Act. The White House is refusing to negotiate with House Republicans, saying they should unconditionally raise the debt ceiling. The White House has to recognize that in order to get something done, both parties have to come to the table. And for the White House to say, no, we're not going to negotiate is simply irresponsible. According to reports, McCarthy hopes to have the House vote on the bill sometime next week. But even if it passes in the House, it's unlikely to gather enough support in the Senate. Here's Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on Thursday. This MAGA wish list has no chance of moving forward in the Senate, and it doesn't move us any closer than we were yesterday to avoiding default. But not all Democrats are opposed to McCarthy's plan. 
Senator Joe Manchin on Thursday applauded McCarthy for the proposal and criticized Biden for not negotiating with McCarthy. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News. Staying on the Hill, families come before Congress to urge justice for their loved ones. What they reveal at a congressional hearing on China's human rights suppression and what lawmakers are vowing to do about it. NTD's Iris Tao has more. At a Thursday hearing, lawmakers on Capitol Hill try to bring renewed attention to political prisoners in China. Among them is human rights lawyer Gao Zhisheng, who's known for defending faith groups like Falun Gong and Christians in China. After being detained and tortured for years, he went missing in 2017 while under house arrest. His wife is urging the U.S. Congress to help her rescue her husband, who is reportedly in secret police custody. And Congressman Chris Smith recalls Gao's work from a letter from almost 15 years ago. But it was a letter to Congress and he talked about how what was happening to Falun Gong uh, was unspeakable and he went through the tortures. And, and described what they were doing to individuals. It's only gotten worse since then. And for that, they threw the book at him even more. And Congressman Rich McCormick telling NTD's Melina Weiskub why Americans should care. The very products we buy sometimes sustain very evil people. This is shocking to most people if they're paying attention, but most people unfortunately are not paying attention. Reporting from Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. And major updates from Bakhmut. Russia claims to have destroyed the Ukrainian Central Command Unit. If Russia takes control of the city, it could give them a stepping stone to move to other cities in the region. NTD's Jason Perry has the latest on the war in Ukraine. In the past week, Russia has increased its artillery and airstrikes in Ukraine. On Thursday, the Russian Defense Ministry spokesman gave the details of their latest attack. In the last 24 hours, Russian forces hit 86 Ukrainian artillery units, manpower and machinery in 127 areas, and the Bakhmut Central Command Unit was hit. And a Russian military contractor added this. The Ukrainian army was unprepared to defend Bakhmut. We invite people to surrender because we know they are hostages to this situation. For months, Bakhmut has been the focal point for both sides in the war in Ukraine. If Russian forces capture the war-torn city, it could allow them to advance to two larger cities in the region. Earlier in the week, on Tuesday, both Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky and Russian President Vladimir Putin visited the front lines of their respective regions. And after returning from the edge of battle on Thursday, Zelensky was greeted by NATO General Secretary Jen Stoltenberg, who stumbled on stage. Be careful. We need you. And that appears to be true, at least when it comes to military aid from Western allies. On Wednesday, the United States announced it's sending Ukraine around a $325 million military aid package, which brings the total U.S. military aid to Ukraine around $36 billion. Mr. President, I'm here today with a simple message. We stand by you today in your heroic uh, fight against uh, the Russian invaders and in defense of your country. And Zelensky added this. We value support from NATO allies and support with weapons, but we want to know when Ukraine will be in NATO. 
which most likely won't be easy as Sweden is still unable to join without approval from Turkey and Hungary. Meanwhile, after Putin returned from the front lines, he said he was stuck at one of the checkpoints along the way. This is also a problem of cargo delivery, and it is very simple to solve this. Firstly, it is necessary to expand the checkpoint. This is, of course, related to security. Jason Perry, NTD News. Coming up, criminal charges against Alec Baldwin are expected to be dropped in the fatal shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. That's according to the actor's lawyers. Mexico prosecutors have decided to drop criminal charges against actor Alec Baldwin. That's according to a statement from his lawyers today. Baldwin was charged in January with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. That's in connection with the fatal shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of the Western movie Rust in 2021 and the injury of director Joel Souza, who was also shot. The actor pleaded not guilty in February after prosecutors downgraded the seriousness of the charges, reducing the potential prison time. Baldwin's attorneys said they were pleased with the decision to dismiss the case. New Mexico's first judicial district, where the charges were filed, has not yet commented on the decision. As of today, Baldwin and Rust producers have resumed filming the movie with no working weapons. And Elon Musk's SpaceX launched its next-generation Starship cruise vessel. However, minutes later, the rocket and vehicle exploded in the sky. The Starship cruise vessel was launched for the first time atop the company's powerful new super-heavy rocket in an unmanned test flight. The two-stage rocket ship stands taller than the Statue of Liberty. It blasted off from the company's spaceport in Texas. SpaceX hoped it would reach a 90-minute debut flight into space. However, less than four minutes into the flight, the upper-stage Starship failed to separate from the lower stage. The combined vehicle was seen flipping end over end before exploding. But it wasn't considered a total loss. SpaceX officials on the webcast cheered the feat of getting the Starship and booster rocket off the ground for a clean launch. They declared the brief episode a successful test flight. And now to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. Tiger Woods is now recovering from fusion surgery on his ankle performed yesterday casting doubts on whether the 15-time major champion would play any more majors this year. The surgery was to alleviate arthritis caused by a broken bone from his 2021 car crash that cost him the entire season, nearly cost him his leg. Woods agent Lee Steinberg said there was no timetable for his recovery, though some have estimated 8 to 12 weeks, which would almost certainly rule out the PGA Championship next month, and cast out on the U.S. Open in June and even the British Open in July. Woods withdrew in the third round of the Masters just two weeks ago, citing plantar fasciitis. The 47-year-old has won 82 career PGA events, which ties him with Sam Snead the most all-time. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, plenty of playoff action. 
First in the NBA, three games on as the Nets need a win at home to avoid going down 3-0 against Philly. Ditto for the defending champion Golden State Warriors, who will be without suspended forward Draymond Green against the Sacramento Kings. And in LA, the Suns and Clippers play game three in a series tied at one. And for you hockey fans, four game twos tonight. First, the Rangers-Devils rivalry resumes in New Jersey with the Rangers up 1-0. And in Toronto, the three-time Eastern Conference champion Lightning Looks to go up 2-0 over the Maple Leafs. Meanwhile, the defending champion Colorado Avalanche need a home win to avoid an 0-2 hole against Seattle. And finally in Las Vegas, the Golden Knights similarly need a home win over Winnipeg to avoid an 0-2 deficit. And finally for you baseball fans, just five games on tonight, but that includes the surprising Pittsburgh Pirates who finished last in their division four straight seasons, yet are off to a 12-7 start with the help of a rejuvenated Andrew McCutcheon, who won MVP for the Pirates more than a decade ago. They play the last place Cincinnati Reds. And that is it for your sports news today. Steph, over to you. Thanks, Dave. And next, we'll examine the debate surrounding the abortion pill at Mifepristone as the Supreme Court considers access limits imposed by a lower court's judge. The high court's temporary block on the limits lasts until midnight tomorrow. Earlier today, I spoke with Epic Times contributor and constitutional attorney Jenna Ellis. She's also a former senior advisor and counsel to President Trump. Let's hear that now. Critics have been raising alarm about this case, saying that judges should not be making decisions that should be made by science. What's your take on that? Are the courts acting outside their jurisdiction? Well, ironically for those critics, this is exactly what the judges are doing, is requi requiring that uh, the FDA actually follow the science, because uh, this particular drug has been used uh, outside and skirting the rules of the FDA's approval process for years. And so it's remarkable that a Texas judge is actually requiring the FDA to go through those processes. Now, if the Supreme Court uh, does pull this drug and require that, I anticipate that the FDA will just fast track a study and get this back on the market within you know six to eight months. But this also raises a really important question. Why didn't the FDA fast track therapeutics for other types of indications like, for example, the COVID-19 pandemic? We all are aware of therapeutics like hydroxychloroquine and uh, ivermectin and other off-label uses that the FDA could have studied and they didn't fast track that. And so are you suggesting that the FDA itself has become politicized? Oh, of course. And I think that you can see that through um, kind of this revolving door from a lot of these uh, high-powered pharmaceuticals and big pharma organizations that have had uh, jobs in the government and then go into uh, these major corporations or they're lobbying on behalf of big pharma. And so a lot of this really comes down to money and funding and also a leftist agenda because, of course, they want to push abortion and make abortion access available on any type of method. But then when they want to push the COVID vaccine, for example, then all therapeutics are highly questioned, they're not pushed through, and so the FDA here clearly has an agenda. Now, some experts have warned that this case signals that judges lack trust in federal health authorities. Do you agree with that? And if so, do you think that it has any material impact on this case or future cases? 
Well, they should be skeptical, and this is exactly why some regulation and uh, oversight by uh, the Supreme Court of these executive agencies is a good thing. And so this is why I am a conservative, not a libertarian, because libertarians would say the less government we have, always better, where conservatives would say, no, government is in place for a reason, and it's to make sure that we have proper guardrails and guidelines um, around some of these really important things to protect people, and especially for consumer safety, and all of these really critical uh, moral and ethical questions as well. So judges should be skeptical and ensure that these guardrails are in place. Abortion will continue to be a big issue in upcoming elections. Many commentators have said that it'll be a weak point for conservative candidates that might have trouble with reaching swing voters who are concerned about laws that restrict abortion access. Well, I think that all Republican candidates should continue to champion life. Life is the fundamental uh, right that is mandated by our U.S. Constitution and our Declaration to be protected. And so we need to build on the Dobbs decision and actually have these conversations, because when you have a conversation on the merit of pro-life, the leftists can't come back with anything. They have all of these arbitrary non-arguments, and we need to not just be litigating and looking at the methods of abortion. We need to be looking at changing hearts and minds to say that abortion shouldn't just be illegal, it should be unthinkable. We need to give women better choices than the left is just pushing to say that abortion is the only choice and the only option. So I think this is actually a winning issue if Republicans will embrace the pro-life movement and actually push forward on that correct messaging and actually give hope and encouragement to women who are maybe facing some of these unplanned pregnancies. And once again, that was Epic Times contributor and constitutional attorney Jenna Ellis. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.